Thank you, Andrew and Chris and Matt for leading us in singing. Uh, thank you, IJ, for a beautiful prayer, and thank you, Hannah, for reading scripture this morning. Um, the passage which Hannah read is not a light passage. So let's ease into it this morning, shall we? Let's start with a ridiculous question. What's your favorite Winnie the Pooh character? Come on, everybody. Eeyore. Silly, bouncy tigger. Cute, cautious piglet. Energetic baby Roo. Any takers? No? Slow but lovable Pooh Bear himself. After all, honey is spelled H-U-N-N-Y. But what about Eeyore? You know what? I'm glad you're here, Stuart, because the last time I preached... The last time I preached in chapel, you weren't here, and I was going to start to take it personally, but I won't. Eeyore. Here's some trivia about Eeyore. Now, uh, cue the snobby English majors when I start talking about the Disney production of Winnie the Pooh. But do you know who voiced Eeyore in the Disney production of Winnie the Pooh? Optimus Prime. The same guy who did Optimus Prime in Star Wars. Can you picture Eeyore saying, before time began, there was the cube? <laughs> Here's a classic Eeyore quote. Uh, a quotation, pardon me. Good morning, Pooh Bear. If it is a good morning, which I doubt. Here's the thing with Eeyore. He makes being glum kind of funny. But the truth of the matter is, most of the time, our reasons for being glum are nothing to laugh about. Often when we are upset, anger, and maybe even tears are our responses. But let me ask you another question not so ridiculous. Have you ever been so upset, so distraught, that anger and tears weren't an option? In the last little while, I've been reminded, maybe, maybe this has happened to you, you're reminded of a song that you literally haven't thought of in 20 years, maybe 25 years. I heard a song not that long ago called Out of Tears. Does anybody know? who sang and wrote that song? The Rolling Stones, of all people, not known for their poignant lyrics by any stretch of the imagination. But I just want to read part of that song, which was on their album Voodoo Lounge, which came out in 1994. All this pain from within, I just can't pour my heart out to another living thing. I'm a whisper, I'm a shadow but I'm standing up to sing. I won't cry when you say goodbye. I'm out of tears. Obviously, a relationship is the, the foundation, or a broken relationship is the foundation for the song. But I remember when I was in pastoral ministry, there was a woman in my congregation and her mother died very suddenly. And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, Matt, I feel numb. I feel numb. She was out of tears, at least for that moment. 
Have you ever felt like you were out of tears or numb? I think it's fair to say that Job was out of tears or numb, at least initially. Earlier in the story, which we don't have time to read or go into in any detail this morning, Job loses his possessions and his family. And earlier in chapter 2, the Satan character afflicts Job himself. And we have this very pathetic scene of Job scraping his sores with a broken piece of pottery. And other than asking his wife if we should accept the good uh, and not the bad from God, initially Job doesn't say a word. Job is beyond words. He's out of tears. Do you know what I think the mark of a good friend is? It's knowing when someone is feeling like Eeyore... And knowing when someone is feeling like Job. Because they require drastically different responses. If someone's feeling like Eeyore, it may be appropriate to try to make that person laugh. Turn that frown upside down. Let's go to Dairy Queen and drown our sorrows in a blizzard. But if someone's feeling like Job... If someone is out of tears, if someone is numb, that's not the right response. And initially, and this is the only time they get it right, Job's friends, the three windbags, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they get it right. Because look what they do. Verse 12, when they saw Job from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. But they don't say a word. Now, this display of of grieving... This, to our ears and eyes, is kind of ostentatious. But that's how ancient people did it. And I would give them credit. At least they let it out. And Job's friends were sympathizing with him. Job's pain was their pain. They even cried for Job, who could not. And as followers of Jesus, this is what we ought to do for one another. Bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Sharing someone's pain with them is not small potatoes, to use a maritime expression, or ministry light. So often, I think we've convinced ourselves or we've thought that, oh, I have my Pauline theology ducks in a row. I'm good to go. That's not the only thing there is to the Christian life. And Job's friends sympathize with him. But they also do something else. And it's worth emphasizing. They shut up. They don't talk. No one spoke a word to Job for seven days. If only they had kept that up. 
But then we wouldn't have the book of Job, so yeah. They make up for their silence later on. But sometimes good friends just need to listen. And here's the thing. If our friend wants to talk, we're there. If our friend wants silence, he or she will get it, but we're still a comforting presence. So when someone we know is out of tears or numb, will we cry with them? Will we keep our words to a minimum? No, we need a roll of duct tape and self-inflicted application. Will we show that we care? Now, sidebar. Very important sidebar. Here's a, a bit of a challenge. I kind of sound like Harry saying something like that, right? <laughs> if someone, if one of your friends is speaking into your life that you need professional help, listen to them. As followers of Christ, we are never expected, never expected to give help we aren't qualified to give. And it is wrong to expect others to do that. End sidebar. Job eventually breaks his silence. And you get the sense Job was an all or nothing kind of guy. He really lets loose. First, Job wishes he had never been born. May thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. Job wished he could wipe out the day he was born as if it never happened. Remembering his birthday only reminded him of all of the suffering and the, the terrible things that had happened to him. Then he ups the ante. He wished he died in childbirth. Hey, you know, I read this. Maybe you read this and you say, is this really in the Bible? My Old Testament students, I know I say that all the time. Is this allowed to be in the Bible? Are characters in the Bible allowed to think these kind of thoughts? Again, I ask you, have you ever felt like Job? Have you ever been that dejected? Some of us have felt like that more than others. Maybe some of us have never felt quite that bad. But I think many of us have felt maybe something approaching that at one time or another. And I think there's some things that we can learn from Job. Remember, eventually he lets it out. And when we feel like Job, let it out. Talk to a friend. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your pastor. Again, talk to a counselor. Psychologists, psychiatrists, and counselors' offices are filled with people who have kept things to themselves for far too long. And it causes them to explode. It's kind of scary to talk about the Trinity in a room that has some theologians, but here I go. Our God is a three-in-one God, a relational God. We weren't created to be islands. And that God wants us not just to talk to other people, but to Him. 
So don't just talk to another human being as good and as necessary as that is. Talk to God. Pray. Are Job's words here a prayer? Not technically. But God is listening, and it's okay to be honest with our prayers. Give God a piece of your mind. And don't feel bad about it. Job doesn't. The psalmist sure don't. Eugene Peterson says this about prayer. It's one of my favorite quotations of his work. It is better to pray badly than not to pray at all. A ship that is dead in the water can't be steered. We want to be our best before God. Prayer, we think, means presenting ourselves before God so he will be pleased with us. We put on our Sunday best in our prayers. It is easy to be honest before God with our hallelujahs. It is somewhat more difficult to be honest in our hurts. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ listens and he cares and he has big shoulders. And as Job continues, the, the pain of his words seemed to intensify. Earlier in, in the story, the Satan accuses Job, God pardon me, of fencing in Job in the sense of protecting him. Oh, Job only worships you and serves you because you've given him a cushy life. You know, deal harshly with him and he'll curse you to your face. Now Job is suggesting that God has fenced him in, in another way, to the pain of life. And Job feels trapped. He wants to die. He puts it this way, why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul, to those who long for death and it does not come, who search for it more than for hidden treasure? Now, when I read that, my first thought was, that reminds me of something. Now, I'm not suggesting some deliberate literary connection here. I'm just saying that it prompted this thought. In Matthew 13, Jesus compares the kingdom of heaven to a treasure hidden in a field. And he says, when a person found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went out and sold all he had and bought that field. Let me ask us this morning, why is God's kingdom worth giving up everything? Because it's worth it. And why is God's kingdom worth everything? It's worth everything because when hard times come, and they will, when we feel like death would be a good option, when we wish that we hadn't been born, when tragedy strikes and we want to search for death like hidden treasure, we don't have to go it alone. The God of the kingdom has promised never to leave us, or forsake us. When life is rough, my experience has been this. In some of the darkest times I have known, it has been in those times that I have felt even just a glimpse of God's presence and his power helping me along. He didn't get rid of the bad circumstances immediately. I don't want to paint some rosy picture of the Christian life that is a fantasy but he is there with us in the midst of our troubles Jesus knows, Jesus cares he is our help and our rock 
I love the way, and again, treading on dangerous ground, talking about the Gospel of Matthew with my colleague Danny sitting in a few pews ahead of me, but I love the way the Gospel of Matthew begins and ends with Emmanuel. The quotation from Isaiah 7 at the beginning in chapter 1, and the statement in the Great Commission at the very end of the Gospel, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. To close this morning, we are in the season of Lent. May we fast this season from being indifferent to others' needs. And may we model Jesus' presence and listen. May we fast from burdening others who don't have the skills or the qualifications to help us and instead reach out to those who can and are equipped to do so. And may we fast from being so quick to forget that we serve a God who in Christ has promised to be with us always. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this hard story of Job. From time to time in our lives, sometimes for long periods of time, we suffer. We don't understand why, the ins and outs of it. But we thank you for the promise that you never leave us or forsake us. May we be that gospel presence in the lives of others. And may you give us the wisdom and the courage to seek out the help that we need and appropriately. We ask these things and we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.